0: Good morning. My name is Reagan Gilliland. I'm one of the associate pastors here at Lovers Lane, and we're so glad you're here to worship with us um, this morning as a video already let us know uh, we are talking about lust today and really lust to love. But I have to I have to complain because, you know, this is going to be my last sermon until I come back from maternity leave, like in November. Um. I thought there'd be more crying right there, but it's okay. <laughs> it's fine. Um, and so I love that I get to be sent out on, on this one. This is how you're all going to remember me for a couple months as talking about lust. So thanks, planning team. Um, so this week, I, you know, I really struggled. I'm like, what in the world am I going to say about lust to love? Because it's, it's, it's tricky. Obviously, there's a lot of scripture that um, deals with lust, if you've ever read... Um, Song of Songs, there's just a lot of kind of racy, steamy thing in the Bible, if you didn't know that. Um, And so I just thought, okay, I want to give more than just romantic feelings. I want to talk more than lust of how we kind of know it. And so I posted the question on Facebook, which was very, very risky um, to ask Facebook world, you know, their thoughts on lust, uh, the difference between lust and love, which I'm going to share some of that later because I've had a lot of good comments um, but this morning, before we start, I want—I have a few questions for y'all um, to get our minds thinking about lust and what it can kind of mean. How many of you um, think that the dollar bin at Target is the devil? Anyone? Yeah. It's our reason that um, our kids won't be able to go to college someday, <laughs> probably. Um, how many of you are like me and have probably... Sorry, Scott, there's bags in my, like, closet of clothes and things I meant to return, but never did, right? Never got around to it accidentally. Um, Or how many of you have some sort of item that you barely use, but, man, you were sure, like, you needed it? Whether it was, let's see, like, Instapot or Green Egg or some gaming system, like, you had to have it. Oh, babe, babe, I'm going to use this all the time. Think about all the parties or think how we'll be able to use it. Or Scott got the Nintendo Switch because he's like, we can play with Andy. I'm like, she's three. Like, (laughs) so we give her the broken controller, and she thinks she's playing. But he's like, we're bonding. I'm like, or you could read a book. I don't know. That's an idea. I don't know. Um, How many of you are uh, what I would call serial Decorators and rearrangers, always trying to add things to your house and getting rid of things, getting new stuff? Or how many of you have to have the newest phone the day it comes out, regardless if your phone is just working perfectly fine? See, I, I ask these because I think there's something about us that is very impulsive. There's something that we want, we need. And to go with the word of the day, we have lustful desires. I looked up a study um, because I really, when I think about lust and, and getting stuff, you know, I, I started to think about debt. And a study done in 2018 uh, by Northwestern Mutual said that the average American has $38,000 in debt. This, of course, excludes home mortgages. Credit card debt makes up about 25% of all debt. Some Americans spend 50 to 100% of their monthly income on debt repayment. I guess some couples use one income for debt and one for a living, which um, I can't imagine. Now, I know that some debt can't be avoided. A lot of debt that people carry isn't medical, it's stuff that's really not expected. It's not really frivolous spending or, or living out of your means. And there's car, you know, your car breaks down, your kid has something, your dog eats a sock, whatever. There's things that we, we don't expect. But I do know that many of us sometimes live out of our means. We have a hard time of saying no, um, or we just desperately want to appear a certain way. We want to keep up with a certain sort of lifestyle. And so I believe that lust goes beyond just romantic feelings. And for today's purposes, I'm going to define lust um, as anything that is easily accessible, the easier choice right in front of us, or its purpose is to just serve our own personal want. So today's scripture, I'm going to be looking um, at a scripture from the book of James. And if you know anything about James, if you've read James, you know, he kind of gets on a high horse. He thinks pretty um, high of himself. He has really big high morals. He sets a really high bar, which I think is good. And sometimes you think, geez, James, (laughs) it's it's a little rough. But I think it is good for us to kind of um, push ourselves and try to um, be um, better and to grow and, and things like that. And so I think today's scripture, um, James has a really good point. And so let's go ahead and read in James 1, verses 13 through 15, which says this. No one who is tested should say, God is tempting me. This is because God is not tempted by any form of evil, nor does he tempt anyone. Everyone is tempted by their own cravings. They, they are lured away and enticed by them. Once those cravings conceive, they give birth to sin. And when sin grows up, it gives birth to death. The word of God for the people of God. <laughs> Thanks be to God. So sin and death, man, that doesn't really hold any punches. Now, when I first started reading this, this first part, I, I, I want to be sensitive because, you know, the first says, you know, God has tempted me. Um, there's people can read this and think there's something outside of me that makes it really, really hard to overcome. I don't know if I can deal with it. And I want to be sensitive to that because we just, our last series, we just finished preaching um, those that um, are going through recovery. And so I want to be sensitive um, to people that, um, that really do have um, kind of a really deep struggle that is not as simple as like, we'll just stop doing it or just pray harder, or just, you know, get over it. And so I want to be sensitive that there are people that do have um, an extra stumbling block to get over something. And so I don't want to, I want to just at least address that, because I think sometimes we can be really um, kind of callous and just not very understanding to people that really, really need a lot of help. But um, for majority of us or what most of us kind of deal with most of the time is that I think we have the temptation to blame people or blame God or situations or season on what our lustful behavior when really denial is playing a huge part into our behavior because we can't seem to deal with the real issue of why we are going for lustful things that easier path the things that are right here And so from the get-go, we will never, ever be able to battle lust, these lustful things that we do, unless we're willing to examine deep within ourselves, deep within our souls, to see what is this longing? Why do we do this? Why do we feel the need to buy stuff that we don't need? Why do we reach for the phone and scroll through post after post rather than maybe talking to the person maybe that's right next to us? Why do we avoid plans or doing things with people and stay inside time after time? Or why do we jump to a new relationship or a new job when things get tough in the old one? What is this emptiness from? Why do we have this longing, this craving? So I think until we're ready to look deep, until we're ready to ask hard questions of ourselves, we will always reach for lust rather than love. We have to stop blaming other people. Or things, and maybe see that the common denominator is us. That maybe we are the issue. Maybe we are the one with the problem. I think we tend to not um, own up to um, what we've done. We don't want to take responsibility. We don't want to take responsibility for our actions. And it can become really easy to to avoid things, uh, to distract from real issues. And so instead of progressing forward and changing. Or in Methodist terms, becoming sanctified, becoming more holy, becoming more perfect in love. We become very stagnant. Because we aren't willing to do the hard things. We're not willing to reach for love. Instead, we keep reaching for lust. And so the first lesson from James today that I think is that we need to own up to our own, to our part. Our choices, our behaviors, and our habits. And another part to... Uh, Owning oh, our part is not falling back on the mindset or the excuse of saying something. Well, this is just my thing. This is my one issue, my flaw, my weakness. I guess that's what God gave me. I'll never really change. Because I think that's the lustful choice. Because again, lust is that lazy choice. It's really easy. It's very tempting. And I hope, we, I hope as people of, of, uh, of faith that we would never think that we can't grow or change, that somehow God gave us this curse or God gave us this baggage that we always have to carry with us. I don't, and I won't believe in a God like that. I don't want us to become people that are so rigid, people that are just so hard that we can't be molded or changed. I think we need a desire to be teachable. We want to be changeable no matter of what we're dealing with. And lust will never challenge us. Lust will never um, challenge us to grow, but love always does. Love always challenges us in deep ways. I feel like things of lust are um, perfectly fine telling us things like, maybe you've heard this in your head, well, this is good enough. This is good enough. Or this is just how it is. Or keep on doing this. Just keep on doing the same old, same old. And love is always the opposite. Love will always challenge us, stretch us, grow us, and always be the more difficult choice. Again, lust is easy. Love is hard. And that's why lust is so powerful, because of just how easy it is, how accessible it is, how rewarding it can be in the moment. And so we get wrapped up in lust all the time. That's why people have problems spending too much or... Um, doing lazy things, whether it's, you know, going through the drive-through and, and eating not good food. there's just so many things that we can just grab that we think will fulfill us, and they don't. And so I pray we are never people that are content with status quo and think, well, this is just who I am, and so this is how I'm going to be the rest of my life. I hope, I pray that when we look back on our lives every year that we can say, oh, I have grown. Oh, I have changed. I have matured. And if you haven't, that really doesn't settle well with you. That you think, gosh, I'm the same person. I don't think I chose hard things this year. And maybe going forth, I need to choose some harder things for myself. Because we all know what it's like to meet older people that say, well, I've been like this for 60 or 70 years. No point in changing now. That drives me crazy. I'm like, I hope I'm not like that when I'm 60 or 70. I hope I'm still like, hungry to change and grow and to learn new things. And so please don't be like that. I can promise you, if Scott Gilliland can mature, <laughs> there's hope for all of us, OK? The second big thing that kind of gives me uh, comfort in this text is I do appreciate that James says everyone. Everyone is enticed and tempted by something. So you're not alone. We're all in the same boat. If people say, oh, I don't have any struggles, I don't have any whatever, uh, they're lying. And the reason that um, that lust kind of uh, can grow and overtake our lives so easily that how we can just keep on living and and no one really says anything, it's because no one talks about it. No one shares about it. I think a lot of us are fine sharing kind of our guilty pleasures, you know, that are like more funny, like if there's a certain group you like to listen to or if there's a TV show you really like, you know, we love to kind of share those things that feel safe. But really sharing kind of anxiety or things that are really hard for us, things that we really, really struggle with, we really like to hide those. And so when lust goes unchecked, it can consume us and lead us to more temptation and to more problems, to emptiness and to dead ends. And so if we want to put an end to this cycle, if we want to move from lust to love, to mature in who we are, we first have to be comfortable talking about it. We have to get over this idea that showing a weakness or a flaw is a bad thing. We're not being a good example to people Um, that are outside the church when we do that we're not being a good example of those that are younger than us we're not being good example to our children when we have to pretend like we have it all together i think we have to be okay showing yeah i have struggles and i have issues and then you can show but i'm working on it i'm working to change i want to go for things of love i want to go for the harder things i want to go for the things that are going to make me a better version and I believe there's such freedom and there's such healing when we open up to people and tell them what we're going through. And chances are, if the right people are around you, um, it's not scary because they love you and they're going to promise to walk with you. And most likely, they're going to say, I was waiting for you to say something. I have know, you, know you've struggled with this for a while. And they're going to maybe say, you know, me too. Or, oh, I have that too. I struggle with that. I had no idea. I've been dying to talk to someone like that. You're going to bring comfort to someone if you maybe take that first step, if you're a little bit more vulnerable. And so I pray that we can be people that step out of the dark and into the light, that we move from lust so we can move into love. And so if you want to break this lust cycle, if you want to go for things of love, we have to be willing to be brave, vulnerable, and honest. And I think part of opening up allows us to have boundaries and perimeters to keep us from going further down the wrong path. I love that James says, we will be lured away. We will be enticed. Absolutely. We all know what it's like to be tempted by things. Because these things of lust are shiny and they're pretty and tempting. But having a plan and a strategy to keep your eyes focused on love will be the only way that we can combat. Because lust has such a strong hold on us. So having someone that knows your story, that is walking with you, that can keep you accountable is very key. And you're not going to fix it in one night. You're not going to fix it in one week. You will absolutely probably mess up. You will backtrack. But I think it's really, really important um, to first just be honest about it and make a plan. Because I think probably, at least I hope, that most of us want to move to things of love. We don't want to be trapped by things. We don't want to be held by things. We don't want to be um, held captive by things of lust. We want to be free. And so this week when I, when I asked the question on Facebook, the difference between lust and love, I got a lot of um, answers before everyone started doing FaceApp and giving their information to Russia this week, I guess. <coughs> people forgot. But here's a few answers that people said. Lust objectifies, love wants to bring out the best in the other person. Lust is fleeting, love digs deeper. Lust causes us to settle for people who are not our equals. Lust is equivalent of a simple want, not sustainable. Love is fulfilling, sustaining. Love fuels you, love makes you whole and helps you grow. Lust is poor impulse control, usually resulting in, bad, in a bad decision, followed by regret. Love is a tough, patient commitment over a period of time. And my favorite one, lust prioritizes my needs, love prioritizes others' needs. And that was from Amy Spore, who's a pastor, so she knows her stuff. And so I started thinking, yeah, lust, lust really isn't sustainable. Yeah, love does dig deeper. Love does make us whole and, and help us grow. Lust really doesn't. And so, this last verse of James, which I think relates to a lot of things what people said, is once those cravings conceive, they give birth to sin. And when sin grows up, it gives birth to death. It's pretty strong language. We don't talk a lot about sin and, and death a lot. But I think there's a point to it. I think there's a reason James used this. When I think of lust and all that it does, I really do think it gives birth to things that aren't helpful to us. It leads us towards a deep, a dead end. It leads us to things of death. And so I have to ask, when I'm tempted by lust, what is the value? What is the worth? What is the long-term implications of doing things or investing in things that are lustful? Because I do believe lustful things are very self-serving and can be very much about self-promotion. Again, lust can quickly get us to where we want, but maybe temporarily and not without often burning a lot of bridges, damaging relationships, or sacrificing our mental health. Lust isn't always destructive at first. It can be really fun and exciting. That's why we love to do it. But eventually, it leads um, to destruction. And so there are a lot of things that I can be tempted to do or a lot of things I can be tempted to be, but when I think about the long-term effect or benefit, it changes perspective. When I think, okay, when I take a moment... So I'm not impulsive, I'm not grabbing for things, I'm not doing things, I'm not saying yes to things when I think, okay, how's it gonna look like in the long run? Maybe I step back and say, yeah, I don't wanna do that. Because I want to only give time and energy to things that are for the long run and things that aren't just for me personally, but can maybe benefit more people. So one thing I ask, if I'm wondering if something is lust or love, I say, where did it come from and where is it sending me? Do I feel it came from a good source and do I feel like it's sending me somewhere that I am going to be happy to be in 10 years or someplace where I don't have to look back and say, I regret that. I also believe things of love come from something beyond and may be this place as we know it. So I ask myself, is this thing that I want to do is it kingdom-minded? Am I thinking about the kingdom of God in this? Is this Is for all people for all time? Because I think we forget we have this radical call to love. We have this radical call to do um, hard things. We have a radical call to love brothers and sisters. And so how can I be investing? How can I be choosing things of love that build a future that maybe I'm not part of? Things that I will never see. Things that will last much, much longer than I'm ever here. Because again, love I believe lasts a lifetime. Things of lust fade away. And so, when I look at Christ and His example and what He taught to His disciples, what He sent His disciples to do, He didn't send them to do things of lust. He taught them difficult concepts about love, and He sent them to do really difficult things. He sent them to do things of love, and it worked. Because of the foundation that they built, the love that they chose instead of going for temporary things, things that were just for themselves, things to further them, to prop them up. um, It lives on 2,000 years later, and here we are talking about it. They invested in things of love, and they died for it. They risked everything, but they were sold out to love and completely against things of love. So I believe we are called to that very same life, to be sold out to love and completely against things of lust. And so for me, I thought practically, what does this mean? What can I do? What is something easy we can do this week? For me, I know it means looking at my calendar to make sure my time is being given to things of love and not lust, not activities or opportunities that are just to prop me up or help to promote me. And so maybe your calendar could use a big overhaul too. Maybe it means instead of just sitting on the couch watching Netflix while looking at our phones, we have a conversation with our spouse. Or maybe we actually talk to our kids because just hitting the button for the favorite show or the next one and the next one is too easy. But actually maybe having a conversation and talking with someone is harder, but it's the choice of love. Or maybe this could be changing your diet. Instead of grabbing what is easy and convenient, you figure out a schedule to meal prep, you start inter- doing, uh, uh, You start introducing new foods. You expand your palate. You go for love rather than lust. Maybe it gets back to working out. Maybe it means cutting up a credit card. Maybe it means you stop going to wherever. You start using the entrance that does it, The entrance of Target that is not the dollar bin side. You know that's that's a easy start. I don't. I don't know what the thing is for you. I don't know how you can move from lust to love. I hope that you've kind of started to think about a few things that, yeah, I do choose things that are easy, that are convenient, that are self-serving. I don't know. Again, I don't know what that is for you. But I do know that lust, things of lust, are not getting us to where we want to go. And they're not allowing us to be who we want to be but I fully believe this life of love that Christ lived and Christ commanded is going to get us to where we want to go and is going to make us the people we want to be because we are supposed to be known for love above all else. So let's pray. God, I thank you for this word this morning, the way that your scripture can challenge us to remind us that we really do have this radical call to um, be people of love. And in this world when it's so tempting to kind of just settle for the status quo, to settle for mediocre, to settle for the easy things, to take the easy path, we don't want to do that. We know that we are called to do hard things, and we can be confident because you are a God that is with us that will not leave us, that will give us comfort and strength when things get hard. And when things get really difficult and we're tempted to turn back and choose the easier option, I pray that we stay on course, that we'd say, no, I'm going for something that is better and deeper and more fulfilling. The promises of the world, the promise that lust gives is is nothing compared to the promises of you. So I pray that we could be people um, that look to the promises of you, look to the guiding to the things of you, and that we would grab hold tight. It's in your name we pray.